0: Blessing. This is BetQL Daily, presented by Bet MGM from BetQL.
1: Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by Bet MGM Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Let's talk a little college football here before we get to Kelly Ford. Joe, yes, we have been bashing USC left and right after losing two consecutive, and I thought this loss to Utah was a bad loss, but I do wonder, is there now a path for the Utes to win the Pac-12? Maybe the conference doesn't want that because they want a team like Washington to win out and make the college football playoff in this swan song. But is there a path for Utah to win the conference at plus 750, you think?
0: Ooh, well, that, yeah, that's really interesting because just USC's out, and they're the fifth favorite now. You're right. And so we go back to the Washington conversation, and that's the team. That if there's going to be a team in the playoff for the Pac-12, that's your team with Washington. And it's not much better than even money that you can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, if they take everybody out, absolutely. They they can. But do you trust that? Like We know how challenging they are at home. That's what was so surprising. It was just such a huge bounce-back spot for USC. And Utah, historically, has been a different team on the road, but they did it they they went on the road and then they took them out but Oregon Washington in two of the next three if you think they can take both of those 100% yes they that's there's value on that number
1: all right let's uh, now get kelly ford into the conversation he's of course kelly ford from the lions.com kelly thank you so much for joining us let me ask you about the Pac-12 conference or Pac-12 conference race here because as much attention as Washington is getting That win over USC is keeping Utah in that spotlight. What are the chances that the Utes can make a run to another Pac-12 title?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Ed, and apologies. I was actually in the green room. I could hear and see you guys, but for some reason, I wasn't coming through on your end, so I don't know what happened. I'm excited to be here now. Yes, for the Pac-12 – Fourth the Pac-12, Utah absolutely remains in the mix here. My numbers right now have Washington and Oregon as the two favorites. Probably not surprising. Washington has a 76% chance to make it to Las Vegas. Oregon at a 57% chance. Um, But the biggest leverage game of the week is certainly Oregon at Utah. If Utah wins this game this weekend, my numbers make it Oregon minus 7. But Utah hasn't lost at home in a non-COVID year since 2018. So, there's are some things in Utah's favor here. Utah would have a 40% chance to make it to Las Vegas. That would be the second best chance behind only Washington if they are able to win this game. So Utah absolutely still in the mix. We know there's no Cam Rising. We haven't had them all year. If you would have told Utah fans that you're going to have this in front of you with no Cam Rising, if you would have said that in August, I think they would have taken it. Shocking. Shocking. That
0: was just the – and they weren't even talked about when we thought we were going to have Cam Rising right? It was just a question about the, the start of the season. Well, we don't know if he's going to be there, but he'll be there in a couple weeks. I'll be there in a few more weeks. And here we sit and we know nothing and a, Whittingham's <laughs> going to give you nothing to the media. That's uh, we're, we're certainly used to that. Um, let, let's zoom out to national championship. So if you look at the odds, there's a gap, meaning, okay, these are your four. That's kind of what the odds are saying. The four is Definitely, Michigan, Georgia at the top; they're co-favorites. Okay, but then also there's Ohio State, Florida State, as like co-third favorites, and then there's a gap where the numbers just about double from Florida State and Ohio State to the rest of the pack till you get down to Washington, Bama, Oklahoma. Do you do your numbers view it that way that there is a clear-cut top four and then a, uh, a sizable gap down to
2: everybody else? So, Joe, th- I love this question. It's interesting. And you almost have to break it down two ways, at least in my opinion. One, you have to look at who do we think is going to get into the college football playoff? And and in the, in the four-team format, that's a much, much more exclusive club, right? We're going to see this change next year as we go to 12 teams. But you almost have to think, okay, there's this barrier to entry. You have to have a resume that's worthy to, worthy to get in. Then once you're in, of course, anything can happen. It's college football. We see that every single year, every single weekend but which teams have the best power ratings to put themselves in a position to have the best chance to win. For me, to kind of get into the threshold, right now I've got Florida State with an 84% chance to make the CFP. That's number one in the country. They're, They're ahead of Oklahoma who has a 78% chance. So for me, those are the two kind of odds-on favorites. Ohio State actually now above 50% after their win against Penn State. They're at 58% to make the playoff. Then I've got a group, Michigan at 45%, Georgia at 43%, Washington at 37%, before it drops now all the way down to 17% chance for Alabama, Oregon, Texas, Penn State, North Carolina, all with better than a 1% chance as well. But those are the chances to make it. Now once you're in, okay, from a power rating standpoint, who do we think is going to win it? For me, Michigan and Ohio State have separated kind of as the two teams that are at the top of the power ratings. Michigan about a field goal better than number three Penn State on a neutral field by my numbers. Ohio State sitting there in the two spot. Penn State's three, but they have an uphill battle now just to make it. Oklahoma's four. Florida State is number five in the power ratings. So for me, I, I get it. I get it. Georgia is the two-time defending national champs. They're undefeated. They've only lost one game since November 2020. You'd be crazy not to have them in this conversation. I am just not sure from a power rating standpoint. Like right now, I have Georgia number 10 in my power ratings. That's the lowest Georgia's been since 2016. That was Kirby Smart's first year in Athens. So, hey, they can flip the switch. We've seen that. There's no Brock Bowers now. That plays a factor here. So, I don't think it's as clear cut as just Georgia and Michigan at number one and two and then kind of a drop. Like, to me, Florida State, Oklahoma, Ohio State, they're definitely in that conversation with Michigan Once Michigan, you know, starts to get to the meat of their schedule, they're going to jump up here as well, I think, based on what I'm looking at.
3: So I have your power ratings pulled up, and I see what you're talking about. I was going to ask you about seeing Georgia down at 10. Mm -hmm. But uh, so having said that, then how much better is Michigan than Georgia on a neutral field?
2: Yeah, Aaron, right now, and again, this is fluid. We change every single week, but we are seeing the changes to the power ratings change, you know, less and less each week as we have more and more in-season data and, and the updates are are less uh, impacted every week. Right now in a neutral field, my numbers would make Michigan a six-point favorite against Georgia. And, hey, I know these two teams played each other in a, in, a, in a semifinal game a couple years ago. I know we could have had this game last year if Michigan would have been able to get by TCU in the semifinal. Michigan right now, you can talk about who have they played? Who have they played? I'm not disagreeing with you. I have Michigan number uh, eight in my most deserving rankings. So I'm not suggesting they should be top four right now in a ranking, but from a power rating standpoint – Man, they're just beating the brakes off everybody they play. Most recently, Michigan State. I really thought they were going to go for two at the end of the game to make it a 50-0. Uh, Woody Hayes had a had a quote from way back in the day. Wait, hey, why'd you go for two? You were, you were way up on him, didn't I? Well, because I couldn't go for three. I thought that's what we were going to see from Harbaugh. <laughs> Bill Connolly had a quote. He says, if you're going to be the villain, be the villain. And my goodness, um, Michigan's playing right now at a very high level. Oh,
1: I love that quote. It's one of my favorite sports quotes of all time. So definitely love appreciate it. you bringing that up. I want to talk about Oklahoma here and uh, their chances to to win the big 12, make the college football playoffs. Certainly they're in the driver's seat as far as that's concerned, but is there a universe where Oklahoma wins out up to the big 12 championship game, probably gets a rematch with Texas, loses that rematch. What would that mean for their playoff chances?
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, such a good question. I would default right now, and so much can change. I would default to the position of, we saw this with TCU last year. You you ran through the Big 12 schedule. You were undefeated. You were number whatever in the country. I think there were three going in. Oklahoma would be that at, at minimum. If you lose to Texas, it's a team you've already beaten. Just like last year, TCU, they lost to Kansas State, a team they'd already beaten. I still think most likely Oklahoma has the resume that gets them in there. Um, Now it gets interesting. TCU didn't have to contend with Kansas state because Kansas state didn't have a comparable resume. If Texas wins out and now, and and so they're 12 and one big, big 12 champs and Oklahoma's 12 and one big 12 runner ups only losses to each other. Texas has that win against Alabama. Oklahoma doesn't have a loss like that. Um, Texas also would have a win over Kansas state at that point. Um, So to me, I think Texas would go in above Oklahoma, but Oklahoma probably still has the resume, but it's a lot dicier for Oklahoma than it was TCU last year. Right now, Oklahoma, 78% chance to make the CFP. They win this weekend. That jumps up to an 85% chance. Right now, to make the Big 12, I've got a 95% chance. Oklahoma's in that game, currently a 56% chance to win the Big 12 championship by my numbers.
0: See, Cal, this is so much fun. And you've even got a tab on your site where it says, what if, like here are the what ifs. These these things could have flipped any which way, and you, we have different results. Next year, is it going to be as fun to talk about when you have so many more teams that are in? I, th- I feel like a lot of people are just going to say, well, look, if you can't make it into this playoff, I got nothing for you. Like, there are no excuses. I, 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 will we have as, as many possible scenarios? Will we do this at a different cut line? Or do we do this so much right now because we're talking about the
2: top four? Joe, I got to start with, I am a supporter of the 14 playoff. I don't believe expansion is good for the sport as a whole. I'm kind of, I've, I've talked about that at nauseam. I don't want to take any of you guys' time with that. I've accepted the fact we're going to 12. I am mm-hmm. excited by the fact that we are going to have more college football games. Like that, that's exciting. And I'm a college football fan. I am looking forward to that. I am excited by the fact that there will be more teams that quote, have a reason to play late in the year with postseason implications and all of that. I, I don't subscribe to the, to the notion that the postseason is paramount in college football. It's not. I, I think it's a regular season sport, and I love that aspect of it. I do. What, what, what disappoints me about the 12-team playoff is these super high leverage games, these kind of blockbuster games that we're getting during the regular season in the four-team format. The stakes are so high, and I love that. Ohio State, Penn State, you really want to win this game because if you lose, Goodness, you're going to be behind the eight ball, not just to make the CFP, but even to win your own division and and make it to the Big Ten Championship game. When we go to the 12-team playoff, this is human nature. And and I want to tell myself I won't do this, but I will. I'm a human. (laughs) My team's Ohio State. If we lose that game, if Ohio State lose that game, I'll say, "Ah, it's a bummer. I really wish we would have won that game. I I wish we could have a chance to win the Big Ten. We'll get Penn State back in the playoff. We're still the better team on a neutral field. By my own numbers, by Vegas, we'll get them back in the playoff. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Like, I hate that. I, I rue that. I don't think we're going to not have the conversation. I think the conversation will still be had. I think it it comes farther down the board. Instead of talking about Oklahoma with a 78% chance to make the playoff and Florida State with an 84% chance to make the playoff going into week nine, those teams have greater than a 99% chance to make the playoff because that's just what we're going to have. You're going to have five or six teams halfway through the year who are essentially locked into a playoff spot, even if they lose a game that we don't expect them to because they're not going to lose two. And so to me – that's what's disappointing is these teams can kind of get on cruise control and say, hey, you know, these games, they don't, quote, matter because we'll we'll get them in the playoff. I hate that. It's the reality. I understand why it's happening. But um, believe me, I'm going to enjoy this final year of the four team. that's for sure.
3: I noticed you knocked Oklahoma down a couple notches in your power ratings this week at Kansas. It'll be tough for the Jayhawks to slow down Dylan Gabriel. What is your assessment of this matchup?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did knock Oklahoma down a little bit. They were downgraded 2.2 points in the power rating. the raw rating. Their power rating rank also fell two spots. Aaron, they're now number four, as you can see on the website there, as you referenced. So to me in this game, listen, Oklahoma, this offense is still really, really good. I have them number six unit in the entire country. The defense is much improved they came into the year number 40 i knew i had a good feeling uh i'm not psychic i didn't know i thought brett venables would get that defense rolling he's he, he's too good of a defensive coach to, to see what happened last year i had him number 40 coming into the year they're now number 20. um but this kansas offense they're no joke i've got the kansas offense number 12 that's the best i've had them uh ranked all year on that side of the ball the difference is the defense, though, in this game. The Kansas defense is number 88. They're the only unit outside the top 20. I just don't think that that Kansas defense is going to be able to get enough stops. Yes, the game's at home. Yes, they're coming off a bye, so they've got the rest advantage. They were able to scheme all last week. My numbers still make this Oklahoma minus 15 and a half. There's a 14% chance that Kansas wins this game outright. Kansas has pulled off upsets before. They're going to do it again. This is a much better team than we've seen historically in Lawrence, but I think Oklahoma's just too good. This game might be
1: flying under the radar, but it shouldn't. Duke and Louisville, the winner of this game, could very well be in the driver's seat as far as getting that second spot in the ACC championship game. Louisville's a four-point favorite per pet MGM with a total of 46. Kelly, how do you see this game playing out?
2: Yeah, Ed, this is, if it's flying under the radar, it shouldn't be if you're a college football fan. This is going to be a great game in the ACC. I have it with the second-best watchability score of the entire slate, so I am very much looking forward to this one. You hit the nail on the head, Ed. The winner of this game is in the driver's seat, to the, or I guess I should say the passenger seat, because it's the number two spot behind Florida State in the <laughs> ACC championship game race. The winner's going to have about a 50-50 chance, while the loser is going to see their odds to advance to Charlotte drop to anywhere between 10 and 15%, depending on who it is. This is what I'll say about Duke. It's not often you have a team that went into last week number three in the, in the, the title race. They lose a conference game and they come in the next week number two. That's what happened to Duke. They were number three for me last week. They lose to Florida State, but because North Carolina got upset by Virginia, Duke is now number two in this race for me. I know Vegas has Louisville as the favorite here. My model, it's not explicitly considering Riley Leonard and the injury that that, that he's dealing with But I actually have Duke as a one-point favorite here on the road. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. My numbers like the defenses on both sides here. The best unit in the game is this Duke defense at number 16. Um, All units are top 30. That's – I'm really excited about this game. And if you would have said in August, Duke-Louisville in the ACC, come on now. No, this is a huge game. Perhaps the only game with more leverage left in this conference in the regular season is when Duke and North Carolina get together. I think it's in week 11. So, um, yeah, pay attention to this one if you're not already. Florida State's going to have their eye on it. That is for sure. I know they're on the road at Wake Forest, so I'm not suggesting they won't be focused on that game. But trust me, they're going to be looking to see who comes out of here because this is the winner here is going to be in that spot, uh, the favorite to be that number two in, in Charlotte.
1: Kelly Ford from the lions.com Make sure to follow him on X at K Ford Ratings. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is Beck UL Daily presented by Ben MGM. Coming up next, Sean Zarillo sets the stage for the World Series with all of his favorite fall classic bets. That's right here on the Beck UL Network. Are headed to the World
3: Series.
1: The Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant.
0: This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, from BetQL.
1: Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Sean Zarillo of the Action Network to help us set the stage for the World Series between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Sean, we first got to talk about Arizona here. You talked us out of betting on the Phillies to sweep the Diamondbacks, so thank you very much for that. (laughs) But when it comes to what the Diamondbacks did right in that NLCS, what impressed you the most that makes you believe that they can at least contend with the Rangers in this next level?
4: Well, I think Brandon Fott is their best pitcher. And I don't think people recognize that Brandon Fott is an ace quite yet because of the results that they see baked into his earlier season results. But Brandon Fott is an absolute bulldog. He led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year, started the A championship game, and we've seen that translate now into this postseason, not only the stuff, but his calmness. And Zach Allen, Mel- Merrill Kelly, better command than Fott. There's going to be nights still, I think, where Fott struggles with his command. And We'll see how he's able to get these Rangers hitters to potentially chase out of the zone or not chase outside of the zone. But the first five strikeouts that he recorded last night against the Phillies, not a single pitch was in the zone. He had a called strike low against Schwerber. The other four were chases on pitches below the zone. So Texas is going to be to be very patient with thought, curious to see if they walk against them. Still considering betting his over walks props in his start against the Rangers, but he will be at home. Uh, and he's been much more comfortable at home as well. So... The the Diamondbacks have, to me, a third starter, where the Rangers, the question, is their third starter in Max Scherzer and what he's potentially going to give them in this series? So, Diamondbacks have the pitching advantage to me. Uh, It's slight, but they do. Um, Not only in terms of the starting pitching advantage, just having a slightly deeper rotation, because I think Gallon. And Kelly can kind of match Eovaldi and Montgomery, and then I would take thought over Scherzer and injured Scherzer at this point. And once you get to the bullpen games, I actually think Arizona has been able to consolidate their bullpen down just a little bit better and has long relievers, I trust, a little bit more than the guys coming out of the Texas bullpen. I would take Saccone over a guy like Dane Dunning. So Texas's pitching advantage, or I should say Arizona's pitching advantage, I, does, I do think makes this series competitive. I still favor Texas. In five out of the seven games in the series, and I make them about 60% to win the series, so about minus 150 implied. I don't see value with relative to the series price. Uh, the best number you'll find on Arizona right now is about plus 150, plus 155, which for me is a break-even number. I need closer to about plus 170 if I was to play them to win the World Series, and then just like like extrapolating that out into other props, I haven't found value yet on any of the series props. You know, Texas to win 4-1, 4-2. Arizona to win in a specific number of games, the over six and a half games, all of it is in alignment with my projection. Usually I find one bet that stands out. I've been pretty much in agreement and in alignment with the Rangers and their pricing throughout these playoffs. I think i bet against their first sideline one, bet on their first five lines, uh bet against them in game seven with Houston. That number ended up moving towards where my projection was. So I've really been in agreement with Texas throughout this playoff. Um, and it seems like in the World Series that there isn't too much of a disagreement there. With regards to the Game 1 line, we can talk about that more in a moment, but I think it kind of determines whether they start Jordan Montgomery or Nathan Ivaldi. And Montgomery throwing in relief on Monday leads me to believe they might start Evaldi, uh, but they have not announced as of yet, and we will see. But uh, a mostly right-handed Arizona Diamondbacks lineup might be more to Texas's benefit to go with Ivaldi.
0: Sean, let's talk about how we got here and if there's a way for us to look at baseball betting with futures that can help us in the future. Um, There are a lot of people that are like, oh, they got to change the rules, see what happens. You got the wildcard teams in, nobody's going to watch, all this stuff. And, you know, hand up, we talked a lot about when looking at World Series, looking at pennant futures, the ability to win your division, to have that path. Well, we got two wild card teams. We got one team that barely made it in, and they needed a lo- lot of luck in Arizona to get in. Yet Philly last year. They were also a succeed, just like Arizona this year, that made it to the World Series. And it's not just the format. It's baseball. Random things happen. You want to have the hot team. Like nobody w- – I, I keep hearing how, oh, Texas, Arizona, and I'm part of it, 1,750 to one for your World Series matchup. Okay, where are the tickets? Like I haven't seen a ticket yet, you know. Even three weeks ago, these these exact matchup, Texas over Arizona, or vice versa, four hundred and fifty to one. Three weeks ago, is there anything to take away from just this massive surprise of a Texas Arizona World Series?
4: Disregard what teams do in September. I think people want to bet on the teams who come into the playoffs hot, and it's been proven time and time again. You don't need to be hot coming into October. You can limp into October, but you just need to get hot once you're there. So kind of disregard the hot team, right, the hot hand coming into October. I think a lot of people had thrown Texas away potentially because of how they collapsed in the final week and the way they lost their division. And then obviously ripping off all of these consecutive road wins I think is extremely impressive. But, you know, if, if you don't think Texas was one of the best teams in baseball this year, you weren't paying attention. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's a bad take to say that the Rangers weren't one of the best teams in baseball. This team was consistently coming back on people throughout the year. Go back to their, I believe it was their opening day game. Uh, they were down large and had like a seven-run rally. This this team was coming back from huge deficits throughout the entire season. So I'm sorry. If you don't think Texas, the Texas Rangers were one of the best teams in baseball and a deserving team of playing for and winning the World Series, you're not a baseball fan, straight up. The Arizona Diamondbacks are the second team in baseball history to to potentially win the World Series with a negative run differential. There's a bit more of an argument for that. Uh, I believe it's the 87 Twins are the only team to actually do it. Um, This is also the third World Series we've had between two wildcard teams, and the other two happened before the expanded format. I think the first was the, the Giants and the Angels back in 2002. The last was 2014. We are going to start seeing this more, with the increased wildcard format. There's just more possibility for it to happen with three wildcard teams being in each league. So this will not be the last time we see a team make the postseason or make the World Series, I should say, that we don't all view as a deserving favorite. But I think we need to all look at the NL divisions or the, the Western division is underrated. And I think we we overlooked how strong those divisions were throughout the year, the AOS and the NOS. We were all focused. Maybe it was East Coast bias on the strength of the National League and American League East, and it turned out that the Western teams were the ones playing for to go to the World Series at the end, you know, aside from the Phillies. So I'm curious what would have happened if the Dodgers and Phillies had matched up, if the Dodgers would have looked like a better team that we had thought potentially coming into that series. And frankly, if the Phillies had made the World Series, I would have been very nervous about them going against the Rangers. I think it was obvious that their bullpen was not as deep as I might have thought it had been, going into that, you know, NLCS. And it ultimately turned out that Thompson trusted about three or four relievers at most in that pad. And Craig Campbell, a guy who cannot hold runners, became unusable against that Diamondbacks team. So, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, ignore teams who had a poor September uh, and then our, you know, first day to October. And then also the Western divisions going forward. I think we have to upgrade those teams and continue to maybe keep the, uh, the central divisions uh, down a peg compared to the other four.
3: on the heels of that in in talking about you know your takeaways from seeing the diamondbacks and rangers in the world series is there any adjustments that you're going to make when you're betting your futures um specifically or you know anything else that you're going to do maybe from a game to game situation that you've learned from this situation so
4: you know going forward um the best bets i played throughout the year were all in season blake snow to win the You know, other futures, aside from my Braves futures at the very start of the year, which was my best bet coming into the year, you know, I'll still have some futures. I'll still have some player futures. But I think I might cut down on my preseason card next year. Uh, Diamondbacks to make the playoffs, plus 450, plus 425. I bet that during the first week of the regular season. There's stuff that you could see with these teams. And, you know, when I'm watching every game, I feel like I have a much better finger on the pulse of what's going on. But, yeah, I think my preseason futures card next year will be smaller. Uh, and I think I'm going to look to add more aggressively to things that catch my eye throughout the year. Um, you know, there's certain markets, right, that do not stay open. Uh, RBI leader, runs leader, stolen base leader, things like that, hits leader. You kind of either have to bet at the beginning of the year or you can bet it at the all-star break or you can't bet it at all. So certain markets I'm going to look to have action in, but others like World Series futures, tenant futures, I'm just less inclined to bet stuff at the beginning of the year now unless I think I could get, some sort of long shot number that's never going to be there again. Uh, you know, I, I bet the, the Brewers a few years ago at 75 to one in the preseason, and they ended up winning the Central and making the playoffs. I believe that was a pandemic year. I can't recall, but there's if there's some ridiculous number on a team who I think can make the playoffs that I want to bet in you know March, February. I think I'm still going to take that. But beyond that, betting these teams at you know 10 to one to win the World Series, even if I think it's going to go down to eight to one, I just don't know if I want to hold those tickets for that long and build up that much of a futures card throughout the season anymore. It might change the way I attack things uh, with this expanded format, but also I just feel like I'm finding personally better opportunities in season.
1: Sean, one of the things that I've done, and this was years ago, was I looked at the difference between regular season baseball and postseason baseball as far as what won games. And it certainly seemed like in postseason baseball, because you're facing many more starters, maybe they're not there as long, but you're facing many more starters, especially when they're coming on in relief. Small ball seems to help in the postseason just a little bit more. So maybe in that respect, this Diamondbacks run should be perhaps a little less surprising. Still surprising, but still maybe a little less so if you include that context. Does in does that intuitively make sense to you? Do you feel like that yeah, the Diamondbacks maybe have a slight pitching advantage, but do you feel like the way they can manufacture runs is there an advantage to be had there and perhaps are there ways to bet on that going forward? <laughs>
4: I don't know. You know, I, I do think they need to be aggressive with the steals in the World Series. You saw Game 6 and 7. They finally started running on Philly and put a little pressure on them. But they also really didn't start running until they had a lead. They ran early, I believe, to get the first run. Uh, getting Carroll picked off and him still being at second base safely was pretty incredible. It shows the level of Carroll's ability that he can get picked off and still be safe. But Jonah Heim is pretty good at throwing out runners this year. Um, he was okay the past couple of years. He was much better this year. I just think Arizona needs to keep being aggressive on the base pass. And they keep flashing the stats Sarah Lang's posted every day, but basically since 2018, teams who win the home run battle in postseason games win at an 84% clip. I believe Arizona lost the home run battle last night and won. That was one of the few instances where it did not come to fruition. But it is close to like an 84% clip when you hit more home runs than your opponent in the postseason in the past six years. And Texas does have a clear power advantage in this series. I think the guys on Arizona who can keep it close power-wise, Christian Walker, we have not seen a ton from this postseason. We can talk more about MVPs and award vets and all that stuff in a second, but if you're looking for a guy who's a juicy up for home run leader, RBI leader, World Series MVP, I think Christian Walker sitting fourth in that Arizona lineup is the one guy who could potentially flex and hit three or four home runs in a seven-game span and keep the power differential, you know, relatively even for Arizona. So. Yeah, that that home run stat kind of points to me saying I don't think small ball wins as much in the playoffs as people think. Um, I really do think the home run ball is just so key with this pitching being so good. You don't get as many walks. You don't get as many guys on base. And that one big swing really does tend to change the outcome. But if it's going to come down to the home runs, if Arizona is going to keep itself alive in this series, I think Christian Walker is the guy. And then otherwise, I'd be looking at still in base props and guys like Corbin Carroll and them to just be very aggressive on the base path. That's probably the only way they're going to be able to match you fair runs otherwise. It's just staying aggressive with running. They were had the second most steal attempts on, on any teams this year. So uh, them not running basically until game six against Philly was kind of surprising. Uh, the fact that they still pulled the series out too without running for the first five games also surprising.
0: Love that you mentioned Christian Walker, one of two names that I wrote down for World Series MVP. Your friendly reminder, you don't need to be a star. Last year was Pena. Two years ago, you came on the show, said Bet Solaire 40-1. to He ends up winning. We've seen it with Pierce. I mean, random names can pop out. You mentioned Walker. Any other names that you like for MVP?
4: Yeah, you know, last week you guys had asked me who to target for MVPs. I think it's whoever starts game one for the Rangers, uh, evolved or Montgomery. Uh, you saw Montgomery come out of the bullpen in game seven or for Houston. If that game had been a little bit closer, I think he keeps pitching. So the blueprint is already there for Bruce Bochy. You know, use your starter in games one and five, and then again in game seven, or maybe for the World Series, he goes on short rest. One, four, and seven with which, with other of these three guys, or whichever of Evaldi and Montgomery he chooses. And you just completely avoid using a four starter now that you're at the final series. So, yeah, the game one starter for Texas, I think, has to be an MVP bet just because of the possibility that they could pick three times and get three wins in the World Series and get the Madison Bumgarner World Series pass. Uh, the other players I consider, and you know, normally I do not like to target favorites, I like to target by long shots. But if the Diamondbacks win this series, Corbin Carroll of Ketel Marte has to be something, uh, pro- and probably something significant. So it, it's really the top three Diamondbacks hitters. Uh, you know, Marino as well. Marino, RBI leader, I thought, 22-1. to That caught my eye with where he hits in the lineup and the amount of times he could potentially be hitting with Corbin Carroll on second base. Uh, and then on the Texas side, as I mentioned, Jonah Himes started hitting much better later in the ALCS, but also this stolen base thing. And if he throws out a bunch of runners, from behind the plate. If he cuts down like three steals, four steals, and just shuts down that Arizona running game and pops a couple of home runs, I could absolutely see Jonah Heim getting some consideration too. He's also a switch hitting catcher, so he's difficult to platoon against with the lefties and the righties as well. So Jonah Heim I think is an interesting consideration of 33-1, to going to play every day, uh, switch and catcher who can also throw runners out. I think he has different ways to contribute. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really – it's difficult to bet against the goalies for MVP, home runs, any of it, because these high-percentage fly ball power hitters, when they get hot, they stay hot, and it's been proven in the data time and time again, but he was awful earlier in the postseason, I believe, and then caught fire late in the ALCS, but these guys throughout the season and throughout Major League seasons, they tend to binge, and they hit 10 home runs in a short period of time, and then they go cold again, so I'd have a difficult time betting against the goalies, you know, for any category MVP, home run, but the odds are so short for MVP uh, as, as tier as well. I don't see how you don't try to find other long shots who might contribute. But yeah, I, I'm usually looking for guys hitting in the top three of their batting orders or the number one starters on each team. And a couple of years ago, we got Jorge Soler hitting leadoff at forty to one. You know, those prices do not pop up often. So uh, I, I think you just kind of have to look for something at eighteen to one or higher if you really want to get involved.
0: BetQL Daily presented by Ben from BetQL.
1: Welcome back to Make you Daily presented by BetMGM. at Egros, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And we will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, a massive congratulations to Jake Hassan, uh, not just for his baseball bets and taking the Diamondbacks to win Game 7, but also that he is defending the integrity of Major League Baseball on the socials. Well done, Jake. Now let's talk about the World Series. What are your first impressions?
5: Yeah, you know, first of all, let me just address something. I've decided I have no time for anyone who's like, oh, but the market, oh, wah. take a hike, cry me a river, build me a bridge, and get out of here. I don't care about the market. Some guy tweeted me, oh, I would just care more if it was Chicago or Philly or L.A. And listen, like five cities. Why? That doesn't make sense you absolute doofus why if it's one big city if you're casual and you don't care why does it matter who cares good baseball is good baseball why do you have some weird allegiance to it being in a big market that you don't even really care about any other time if you paid attention for three seconds at all this postseason these teams rock these teams are unequivocally awesome. I tweeted last night, you have the NL Rookie of the Year, the runner-up in the AL Rookie of the Year, the MVP runner-up in the AL, the NL Cy Young runner up Bruce Bochy's awesome, the guy who's going to be an AL Rookie of the Year favorite in 2024 in Evan Carter, and so many other things. The guy who just went berserk in the CS in Adoles Garcia. Why do you have this weird, beholden allegiance to Los Angeles or New York or Philly? Who cares it's a sport it's fun have fun with it you weirdos anyway this series is gonna rock i do have one minor concern my cousin's wedding is on the day that game seven would be played and i am terrified about that because it would be so bad for the brand if i'm Mm. at a wedding missing game seven so i hate to say that i hope it ends in six or less but I open lens at six or because I'm not only is it my cousin's wedding, I'm in the wedding. So I'm I'm in there no like swimwear. Like, yeah, I you're have not, no wiggle room. It's going to be checking phones, brutal. It's not, yeah. not happening. So There's too much thankful, going on. Thankfully, yeah. it's like an earlier in the day wedding. Like, the dinner starts at like six, I think. And it is on the East Coast. Or not on the East Coast. It's in Michigan. But like Eastern time zone. So, yeah. It's brutal. like I'm a little concerned if we go seven, I'm going to be a little scared, but I mean, this series is going to rock. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I do give the initial slight edge to the Rangers, but I mean, if the Dimebacks are going to do what they did in game six and seven, and they're going to get back to just stealing a million bags and playing small ball and causing chaos. I do like their chances here because look what just happened with Philly. Bats can go cold. If Texas goes cold, you know, Adoles Garcia, yeah, had a great championship series, but that could turn. That happened with Castellanos. He's the hottest hitter on the planet in Atlanta and then just went cold. That could happen in Texas. Hopefully, it doesn't because of my Evan Carter ticket, but. On the other side, the Gabby Moreno ticket is still alive, so I'm kicking my feet up and just going to be rooting so hard for Evan Carter and Gabby Moreno for the next week. It's going to be great. Did I did also you know re- do not have a date to the wedding?
0: Did you make a Did you make a request for which person you're going to be paired Even with? For, I did not make a stuff. request,
5: but I did not make a request. But it was there was an intentional pairing. I was told. Single it's and ready to
3: mingle at the wedding.
1: Let's go. So, what is it intentional about?
5: Uh, that the they bridesmaid I'm walking with. Yeah, it was a setup yeah. situation.
0: Okay. Who, but, oh, like, okay, but, but set like, set you, You've I made it clear. Cool. Like there's interest. <laughs> yeah. They,
5: there is. That's... There is. So, it, what I would say is mutual interest. <laughs> I would assume. Yay! Also, Are you gonna... also bridesmaid that I'm walking with. What did just get out of a relationship a month ago? So we're in, oh, the- wheelhouse. <laughs> now now we're in the
1: wheelhouse. <laughs> NBA tipped off yesterday. Uh, attaboy, we're talking JR. about rebounds today. Are, are you Are you the guy?
0: Are you going to be out there diving for the garter belt? That's the question. No. Is anybody People here do on that? the show? I think so. We didn't do it. Yeah, we didn't. We t- didn't. No. No. I was no say, last
5: couple weddings I've been to. Have it. it hasn't nope. even been a thing
0: they stopped it stopped yeah. okay. i think i think it's maybe, over maybe it's not a thing anymore hmm. yeah seems old i would be. like when when the yeah. women would fight over the bouquet that's always fun
5: yeah no.
0: it's a little stiff arm
3: i always yes. never wanted to catch it it's kind of awkward yes exactly I, I feel attention.
6: like you're either in one camp or not it's like run from it right or throw elbows run it
0: run
1: and if <laughs> for your significant other run. is right there then now there's pressure on that person for the rest of the night that's also frightening oh, man
0: yeah we're gonna get some stories i will say this wedding
6: mm-hmm. i texted jake on my way to watch game four on saturday Thanks. which was like it was like it's jake saturday i feel bad for even sending this text but it was baseball related um I was like, the Diamondbacks are going to do this, aren't they? I got to bet Moreno. So I'm holding a 80 to 1 ticket on Moreno for World Series. NBA. Let's go.
5: So there
6: you go. Let's go, D backs.
0: Jake, what are you holding again? On this?
5: 250 to 1 on Moreno, 100 to 1 oh, on yeah. Carter. And that's it.
0: That's it. I'm, I'm probably. Going I'm gonna add.
5: Anymore? I'm. I'm gonna add. I'm. I'm gonna add Garcia for sure because I. I just don't want to be the one out in the cold. Like if I'm gonna hedge one way, it's gonna be with the guy who's just on an absolute. I want nothing to do with Seeger. I want nothing to do with Simeon. I. I get what Sean Zerillo is saying about if Evaldi starts game one. Could totally see that. I just don't think it's super likely. I don't really want a pitcher in this scenario, especially knowing how pitchers have been utilized in both championship series. I know as far as the bullpen coming in the early. last
0: one. And there right. hasn't been many. And others. then
5: Bumgarner, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, right. And Strasburg was like a lifetime achievement award for him too, at the same time. So that yeah. is in there as well. So I'm good with Moreno and Carter, probably going to add some Garcia. I think I also, want to add a little bit of alec thomas at 35 to 1 just yeah, because boom. of hit he had the big spot in the cs with the homer he's fast as hell stealing bases he could score from first on a gap double i think he could have a big moment and still a pretty big price so and then they said honestly that's the, right that's the only yeah. thing he will sit against lefties but it's kind of like the evan carter situation and that's the thing too Diamondbacks don't have a lefty to throw. So Evan Carter's hitting third plane every single day. Love that. That was like ideal yeah. situation. If it was the Phillies, he'd be sitting against Suarez. So we're in so good there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Thomas, it's kind of like how Carter was utilized in the championship series. He'll sit against lefties, but he's coming in at the end. From the sixth inning on, he's coming in to play defense. Mm-hmm. Look at what Tommy Pham was doing out there in right field yesterday. Almost gave up a couple runs. Just oh. played a couple oh, balls. God. So yeah. you know Lavello's trying to fiending to get Thomas in there. So that's my thing yeah. with him. And then premier position too. If he makes an awesome grab in center field late in the game to save a run, that's going to get attention.
0: Now I have to. Mm-hmm. Mount Carmel guy. He's a local guy here. I might have to.
5: Checks all your boxes. <laughs> Damn
0: it. Yes. yes. Yeah, right. All right. We'll Uh, break that down
1: tomorrow. Real fast. A lot of different ideas floating around. Real fast. uh, Yesterday was the frozen frenzy in the National Hockey League. All 32 teams played. We had 16 games. The number for BetMGM was 105 goals. We landed at 102. 102 instead of 105. I was the only one on the panel to take the under as far as that's concerned. So I am now nicknaming myself the Iceman. I will not be taking questions at this time.
6: Does that mean you have to bet a hockey every night? Because if you do, I will happily hand that over to you as our hockey correspondent. (laughs) Devil's puck
1: line, minus one and a half at minus 105. Jack Hughes leads the NHL in 6.6 scoring chances off the rush. Hockey team has amassed a lot of expected goals on the power play. I think they will get some calls against the caps. So, like the devils on the puck line and then Mav Spurs under 229 and a half. No explanation needed because I'm the Iceman. All
3: right, Joe. Iceman play of the day.
0: Joe. Hi, Joe. How do I follow up the Iceman? What? Um it was uh, the frenzy was on TV, but I didn't have the audio. Like I would randomly turn turn it up. It looked like Bedard scored a goal and then they called it back. So that was dumb. Glad I didn't have that. to he go over his shots
6: by any chance? I, I, did I did not
0: check. I did not check. It doesn't feel like he's done that recently. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's kind of like a bad night for NBA. I may maybe we're the outliers watching baseball, but. Like for the NBA to start the season, for them to have this buildup, for this frenzy, and it all happens on a night where you have a Game 7 for the right to go to the World Series. It kind of felt like bad luck there, but it, it was on my monitor, so I was kind of following along. As um, far as tonight, NBA. Why are the thunder, thunder underdogs to the Bulls? I don't get it. Give me OKC plus two. Uh, I'll, I'll fade the Bulls in some way, and I feel like I need a Wemby bet. Maybe uh, the market is off before we actually see him playing any real basketball. His PRA is 25 in the hook. I'll go over 25 and a half on Wemby and college football. Sam Houston State, 0-7. The Bearcats, spelled B-E-A-R-K-A-T-S. They're 0-7 on the season, and they're 3.5-point favorites? Okay, okay. I see what you're putting down. I'm taking Sam Houston State. They're, they they got to win one. They have a couple overtime losses, a couple of one-score losses. I'll, I'll back the favorite there, Sam Houston State.
3: All right, Mike McDaniel, Kurt Cousins, take a back seat, okay? My real mm-hmm. man is playing tonight. Demontis Simonis. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Demontis Sabonis. Now, I can't bet a double-double. Why? Because that is minus 450 at BetMGM. That's a no-can-do for your girl. Well, what I am going to do is bet triple-double because he's fresh. He's ready to go. And, oh, by yeah, the way, fresh. they are playing the Jazz. Fresh.
1: Oh, he is.
0: So fresh. So fresh, right? so fresh and so clean.
3: <laughs> yeah. They rank uh, 25th in opponents in the paint. So Sabonis 450, triple-dub tonight.
6: A couple NFL plays.
3: Let's keep the fit alive and well.
6: Yes. Seahawks minus three against the non Deshaun Watson. Uh, and Bengals plus five and a half. It's going to be 71 and sunny in SF. Give me Burrow off
1: a of bye against the reeling Niners. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Take care, everybody.
0: You've been listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app.